Hey, my friend, since you enjoy listening to podcasts, you enjoy downloading them, you enjoy tuning in each week, and hopefully you enjoy listening to mine, I have to ask the question, have you ever thought about launching your own and being on the other side of it, being behind the mic, coming up with the topics, sharing with your audience, building a community, researching, learning, interviewing people? I mean, have you ever thought about it? Because if you have, then you're in for a treat with this episode. Hey, I'm Natalie Sisson, a Kiwi, best-selling author, speaker, podcaster, vlogger, and business coach dedicated to helping you tap into your potential and get paid to be you. As you know, I freaking love podcasting as a medium. I listen to a lot of podcasts. I tend to go on binges of listening to them and then I chill out and just listen to audiobooks. But whenever I listen to somebody else's podcast, it inspires me often with ideas of how I want to do mine and also usually gives me ideas for how I don't want to do mine. And I think that's a really good thing. Podcasting has just taught me so much. Selfishly, it's the best way to learn more about topics that you're interested in. It's the best way to invite people on your show that you really like and admire. And it's just a fantastic medium. I mean, there's nothing else in the world where I can sit behind a mic. And in this case today, my iPhone, because I wasn't prepared to be doing this podcast intro whilst over in Australia. And you know, I can upload this now. My awesome editor, Rolly, can figure it out, make it happen, and put it on to one of my pre recorded interviews. And this will go out to almost 10,000 people in a month, which is crazy how this podcast is growing, especially since it's morphed from the suitcase entrepreneur to Quest for Freedom and to Untapped. And that's the other video podcast is they're very malleable and flexible, and you can change them to meet your own needs, your business needs, as you reinvent yourself, as you change tactics, as you pivot, as maybe you enter into some phase of your life, the podcast can come along with you. And so it's with great pleasure that I got to interview Sarah McAtill for my podcast because she is a digital nomad right here in the very here and now. She's known me for a long time. She was a fan from way before she's interviewed me on her podcast and she has two podcasts that I've been just watching with interest how she's been developing them, one both personally for her travels and one for people who are interested in starting a podcast. And so I thought it was high time that I got to shine some light on Sarah because she has a super refreshing and honest way of talking about this, especially for those of you who are right at the beginning point. And you know, sometimes when you're way more experienced in something, you forget about the details that are really important for a beginner when they're starting out because you've come so far since then, but it's actually those details that are super important. So I really love this conversation with Sarah, not only about her journey of how she's got to where she is, but also how she has got into this absolute love of podcasting and teaching people how to start and launch a podcast, the course that she's built from it, and all the good things. So sit back, relax, tune in, take notes, and more importantly, please do rate and review this podcast if you enjoy it on iTunes. I realized the other day, as I said in my previous episode, and big shout out to everybody who's come back to me on my mission for 2020. If you missed it, go and look at the previous episode, 56. It is juicy and I reveal all. But I also found out when I was doing that and looking up podcasts, etc., that I haven't had any reviews on my podcast for way too long. So this is a humble uh, plea, maybe a little bit of begging to please just take one moment on iTunes and I'm going to start reading out people's reviews um, just to thank them. And that's really important. And I think Sarah and I talk about that. So 
In this interview, you'll learn lots. I'm just going to let you sit back, as I said, relax, enjoy, and consider starting your own podcast. Because seriously, I know this has been the longest intro ever, but it is probably the favorite thing that I've ever done in my business. And it's a fantastic business tool. So if you like this topic, I am more than happy to have more guests and to riff on this in future episodes so you can learn as much as you can. But I'd also encourage you to come across to nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast and look at the show notes where I'll link to Sarah, Sarah's goodness and her course so that you can take this further. Okay, let's get on with the interview, Natalie. Welcome to the Untapped Podcast, Sarah Mikatel. So beautiful to have you here. Excellent pronunciation of my name. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> You're so welcome. I'm glad I asked because it does, as I said, it sounds a bit like an awesome fancy software company, Mikatel. Where are you coming into us today, aside from Surrounded by Awesome Duvet Covers as part of your podcasting studio, <laughs> which I love, the DIY studio? Well, I am in Folkestone in the UK. I spent many years living in London and then wanted to try seaside life, which I'm loving. And then my friend is actually staying over tonight because she's giving me a ride to the airport at 4 a.m. because I'm going to Athens. So I'm really excited about that. Wow. Yeah. So you're a fellow freedom lover. You're a digital nomad. You travel around the world, which is really awesome. And you're kind of into freedom as much as me. And thank you for reminding me that last time we chatted and I was on your podcast, because we're both fellow podcasting geeks, that you told me about Folkestone as a hot place that I should be investing in the UK. Natalie, oh, keep I mean, it down. <laughs> but now that I've actually got a, an offer on my house in Portugal, which is exciting, <laughs> I potentially have some money to invest there. So yeah, sorry, shh, keep it between us and all the podcast listeners. <laughs> actually, quick question to start off before we get into your story. How do you find podcasting while moving around the world? Because obviously where you are right now, you've got an awesome makeshift DIY, but every time you move, as a fellow former digital nomad who used to do that, I mean, I remember doing podcasts in hotel lobbies with vacuum cleaners going past. I did <laughs> sometimes on trains. I mean, really ridiculous. And the quality of podcasts has come along these days, but I'd love to sort of know what's the first thing you do when you get anywhere when you know that you're going to be doing podcast interviews? That's a great question. And I actually just did an episode of this on podcasting step by step, which is my podcast on how to podcast. And uh, <laughs> my, first, <laughs> my first thing actually is be mindful about, is this actually the right time to podcast? Mm. Or can it wait until later? Can you just be in the moment? Because I went to Bali a year or so ago with a friend of mine and I agree. We are podcast geeks, you and I. And so I was like, let's podcast everything. And we had or like our flight took like 25 hours because we were coming from the States. And so I was like, let's do a podcast on how to survive long haul flights. And then I wanted to do another, another one. And then my friend's like, can we just be and like experience where we are? And I was like, you know what? Yes, you are right. I don't actually have to podcast right now. So I would say number one is can you do this later? And that's something I've done before. People I've met on my travels, I've let myself have the experience with them and mm. explore the culture and the restaurants. And then I interviewed them later remotely after I've had time to digest and we were able to connect in real life beforehand. So I would actually suggest maybe mm. you don't need to do it then. But if you did want to record on the road, certain equipment I would suggest is the Samsung Q2U or ATR2100. And then I like to use a digital recorder. So I like the Zoom H6. 
Oh. And you just have to bring a cable to connect that. I would be very careful about recording outside because wind noises, you are never going to get out. So if you can try to record indoors. So I think, yeah, that's probably the key, just having yeah. some basic equipment. Mm. Well, I'm going to have to check out that Samson mic and I'll obviously link to you in the show notes because no doubt you have it in sort of some awesome PDF guide of all the things you need <laughs> yeah. to use. But the Samson Go mic was my little go-to for so many years, this tiny little clip-on mic on the laptop, which surprisingly had great audio quality for something so small. And I still have it. It's great. Um, now I've transferred to this nice like one in front of me. I should even know what that is. It's a blue, it's a blue Yeti nano Bluetooth, but um, I love the Zoom H6 as well. That's even like more serious equipment. Anyway, off the equipment, let's get back to your story because we'll come back okay. to podcasting. Obviously, the topic that I wanted to dive into today is kind of can anybody start a podcast and how do you go about doing it and how do you monetize you and all the wonderful things that a podcast can do for you. But importantly, it'd be really neat to know more about your journey and share that with my listeners because this wasn't the thing that I think you naturally started with, but it's something that you've grown into and love and have become passionate about. And that's a big thing for me when you're wanting to get paid to be you is really looking at the things that come naturally to you and you enjoy and learning more about them. And as you learn about them, teach, et cetera. And I think you've done a really great job of this, but do you want to share sort Thank of you. where was Sarah even a couple of years ago or where did this journey start? Sure. Well, I think people who knew me as a kid never would have thought that I would get on mic. Like I was so shy. Um, and even until a few years ago, I never thought that I was the type of person who could host a podcast. I've always loved listening to them from day one, but I never thought it was something that I could do myself. But to just back up even farther, so I'm an American, but about 10 years ago, I discovered that I was eligible for dual citizenship with Italy because of my ancestry. And I figured I had to get a passport and a European passport within two months. So within like, I just made a really quick decision to leave New York where I was living, flew to Italy, applied there, got my passport, and then have been living over here for the last 10 years. And I've had really great experiences work-wise. I've worked for some really great companies. I've worked for Apple. I've worked for Barclays, but always communications, marketing, writing. So my background's journalism and creative writing. So I was always doing kind of like solitary work and like kind of quiet work. But then at some point I started working for a fintech startup and I was thrown into producing their podcast. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, well, I actually can figure out how to do at least the technical side of things. <laughs> and then just over time, I gathered up the courage to start my own podcast. And when was that? That was 2017. And I have to say what pushed me over the edge to actually start a podcast because after I finished at the startup, I was like, okay, I want to start a podcast. I want to start a podcast. But I was kind of like waiting for the day where I would be courageous enough to do it. And I think that's a big block that people have for podcasters is like, uh, one day I'm going to feel ready. I'm going to feel ready. And I was in the National Portrait Gallery in London and looking at all these photos that were in the special exhibit. And it was all these people like hanging on the wall who society thinks are like interesting or creative or a little bit out there. So people living in like trailer parks or people living in like far off countries. And then I saw this photo of a woman who was like in her 50s or 60s and she was kind of soccer mom-ish. And I was like, what is she doing here? Like she doesn't belong here. 
And then I like got chilled because I was like, oh my God, like I've heard that when women become of a certain age, they start to disappear. And I recognized that I had just like done the same to that woman. And I was just mm-hmm. thinking, oh my God, I do not want to disappear before the world has even heard my voice. And like that day is the day that I started to like podcast. Wow. And and I think that it just left such an impression on me because not only do I want the world to hear what I have to say, I want the world to hear what other women have to say at every age, right? I don't want <laughs> this disappearing woman thing to like go on. So it's a huge passion of mine. Love that. Thank you for sharing that story because I always wonder where the powerful moments are that force us to take the right action, you know, because if we wait for the universe to show us a sign or if we're waiting for something else to give us permission or if we're waiting for, which so many people do, the perfect moment, it'll never come, right? But you got struck in that moment that you were like, wait a minute, life is short and I can't not go through life sharing, you know, my voice and the voice of all these other women and you took action that day. So, you know, whatever it takes, right? I love it. I also want to come back to the fantastic story that you found out that you could get an Italian passport so you just like popped off over there to get it and never came back (laughs) really (laughs) Um, and I think we kind of glossed over that a little so people might have been like what the heck so you were in New York at the time yes so I had dabbled with living abroad when Mm -hmm. I was 18 I moved to England and worked at a hotel in the Lake District for the summer And because back then, I don't know if this still exists, but college kids could get like something called a blue card, which means we could be like cheap labor for like Mm -hmm. a hotel or something, which I was. And it was the hardest job I'd ever done. I was like a chambermaid in this hotel. And so I would get up, serve breakfast, clean up, clean all the rooms, like scrub the bathtubs. It was the most grueling like job I've ever done, but I fell in love with England and I was like, I need to come back here. I have to figure out a way to come back. So I studied abroad my junior year in London. But as an American, it's very difficult to like permanently live in Europe. So I went home and then I've had like two months here, two months there in Italy, but like couldn't figure out a way to like make it stick. Cause I love Europe and I just, I did want to live there. My heart is like here. And then when I figured out the ancestry thing, I was like, oh my gosh, this is my chance. (laughs) And did they give you a time limit of two months or was that the time limit you gave yourself? That's just how fast I got my passport wow. from applying oh, over see. there to Gosh, receiving that it. That is amazing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Because um, if you, like, so for anyone listening, like, in America, if you are eligible for this, if you apply in the States, it can take up to 10 years in some jurisdictions to get your passport. So I'm telling you, just go to Italy wow. and do it there. <laughs> Wow, that is nuts. Do you know what I love about New Zealand is I applied for a new passport the other day. You know, I've already had one all my life, but I applied for a new one and the application form online took five minutes and I got the passport three days later. You pay online, you do it online three days later. I kid you not, delivered to my house. I'm just, I love the system here. It's one thing that we do really well. So, yay. And That's I remember once I was applying for it and I thought, gosh, I need that. It was a total oversight. I realized that my passport was expiring in like three or four months, but that a lot of international countries you go to, they need at least six months on it. And I was like, crap, I'm leaving in four days. So I did the emergency one, which is a turnaround of, I think it's 24 or 48 hours. And they refunded me the emergency fee and still got it to me in two days because that was kind of their normal time. I was like, wow, I love this country. Anyway, Your country sounds so lovely. <laughs> it's got a lot of good things going for it, including our PM, Jacinda Ardern. 
anyway, back to you. So that is awesome. So you've been away pretty much for that entire time and nomading around the world. You've obviously worked over there because you were able to with this passport. I assume that made it easier. And then you've been doing your own podcast since 2017. And obviously the next question I'm going to ask is like, how the heck do you get paid to be you? And, and how have you monetized this to be able to continue to travel, do your own thing, interview with some women? And yeah, just love to know that journey. Very curious about that. Well, podcasting is a huge passion of mine. And I started a podcast called Podcasting Step by Step, which I mentioned before, and just got really great feedback and like listeners were asking me all sorts of questions. And so I started an online course. I know you're a big fan of online courses. And so my course is called Podcast Launch Academy. And so that's how I monetize is by teaching other people how to podcast. And I'm actually going to Greece with one of my students. So she was going to Greece. She's kind of like on a grand tour right now. And so she's headed to Athens like in two days. And she's like, come with me. Let's hang out. Like you can stay with me. So yeah, I've met so many cool women and and have traveled around the world with a bunch of people I've met through my podcast and now through my course. I love that because I think, you know, often just for people who are listening, you sometimes think as a teacher, you have to be this kind of not high and mighty, but you know, you have to be several steps ahead, the leading learner that I talk about all the time, but that you can't necessarily integrate and be just hanging with your student. But <laughs> I'm a huge fan of it. I mean, that's why I love running retreats is to be able to meet my community in person and hang out with them because the experiences of bringing like-minded people together for me is probably one of the most powerful things I can do and one of the most memorable. And the, the people that I've brought together at retreats, not only have I become really good friends with them and still in touch to this day and meet up around the world, they've all become good friends and done business with each other and are like besties. And that's just like a really beautiful thing to be able to do. So I love that you're hanging with your students and that I think you'll probably find more of your students and listeners will start to meet you around the world and you start having meetups. And it's just a really, it just makes it real because I was listening to Denise Duffield Thomas the other day saying, now that she has this rose farm, it's a physical rose farm in Australia. She's like, I've got a real business, which is hilarious because she has a multi-million dollar online business right but it was interesting that in that moment she kind of felt that wasn't real when it really is and I sometimes feel that about mine just because it's online and it's through your laptop and it's through zoom and a podcasting mic sometimes it doesn't feel real like a bricks and mortar business is, even when it is and I think when you get to meet your customers and your clients and your community that's when it really feels real so humble digression there but I think it's one of the benefits mm. that people don't necessarily discuss enough is those lifelong friendships and experiences and relationships that you build that start online and you take them offline. Mm, and um, I love the retreat idea. Mm, I would love to do something like that. Uh, so maybe that's something for the end, toward the end of the year. Oh, so good. And you could do a podcast's retreat where they physically will like get set up and record episodes while they're there, like get people doing it. I think yeah, it, yeah. it'd be amazing. Jam on all those good things. Yeah, we can talk about that. So I'd love to know if you don't mind sharing some numbers as well, because I'm really keen for people to hear. I often find when people start anything, whether it's a podcast or their blog or start writing a book or an email list, they always think that they have to have this kind of massive reach in order to get some traction and start monetizing it. And so you've had your podcast since 2017. How long were you podcasting for and getting these lovely questions from listeners before you decided to put an offer out there? 
So I was podcasting in 2017, but that was not my podcast about podcasting. That was Postcard Academy, which I also interviewed you on. (laughs) And on that show, I interview other women like myself who packed up everything to start a new adventure in another part of the world. And usually I'm getting their like insider tips, like food and culture tips on their adopted city. But it's really interesting how like the concept in the show can evolve over time. So I'm still doing that. And that's still like a passion of mine. But I also am talking a lot more about location, independence and things mm. like that. And I actually did not intend to monetize that one in the beginning. I kind of, it's a passion of mine. I also wanted to have it as a platform to like mm. prove that I could do it and also show other people that I could do it. And so it wasn't until 2019 that I started podcasting step by step. So I, a few years, actually, mm. yeah, before the monetization started happening. And with Postcard Academy, do you have sponsors for that show? How do you, I guess, monetize that one? And then I'd love to come for the new one. Yeah, Postcard Academy, I didn't intend to monetize up front. But down the road, I have some ideas, but... Yeah, upfront, it was just more of like a platform and a passion project. Okay. And I've got loads of ideas for yeah. <laughs> my the podcasting side of things. So I've, I'll, I have my course, uh, which is Podcast Launch Academy, and then I'll have some smaller things for people who already have a podcast coming out in the next mm. two quarters. Yeah, nice. And I think that's a really important differentiation to make. Like you don't have to monetize everything. However... I'm sure as a platform itself, Postcard Academy podcast has helped you build your email list, has helped, you know, drive more traffic to your site. Like the, the It taught me everything. Exactly. Oh, I, I, I learned everything from there. Like yeah. how to create a website, how to start an email list, how to create a lead magnet. Mm-hmm. That was all like training. So mm-hmm. I consider that like my education that I could have been paying for at school, but I was figuring it out on my own. So yeah, yeah absolutely. And so with your new podcast, well, it's fairly new, isn't it? How quickly then did you go into an offer for that? Because I really love that you've gone so niche on it because it immediately says for anybody who's interested in podcasting and podcasting is huge and growing still. Like I remember when I got into it in 2012, it felt like it had been around for a while and I kind of missed the boat. And then, isn't that funny how that happens? And then like years later and people are like, oh my gosh, podcasting's a thing. I'm like, wow. There is like the late adopters and then the super late adopters and it's still growing. So like all these mediums, I think the thing is when's the best time to get into it? Probably 10 years ago and and the next best time is now for anything. That's for everything. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) planting a tree, getting a podcast going, whatever. So yeah, I mean, it sounds like that's been quite a quick one. You were very intentional with that. You love podcasting so much. You decided to teach people how to do it. And as a journey that you're still going on yourself because I feel you can never stop learning with this, right? Right. But then how quickly did you put out that offer? Were you getting questions quite frequently and you were like, great, I'm just going to go with this because there's enough interest here that I can put together a minimum viable product and see how it goes? I knew that, see, Natalie, this, I mean, this is what I love about you is that you are like so quick and you just go for it. I knew that this podcast course would do well, but I got stuck in analysis paralysis for quite a long time. So, Well, I just, I realized that, have you heard of like maximizers and sacrificers? Oh, I haven't. Oh, is this another framework? I love frameworks. No, 
this Tell is like a psychological thing. Yeah. So the sacrificer, and I think it was like a Nobel Prize winner of economics came up with this. Hmm. He said like those people like will see something and if it's good enough, they'll do it. Like they're the action takers. They're like, let's just make it happen. I'm not going to like waffle around and decide. And they tend to be more satisfied because they don't put all their weight and heart into a decision. Whereas maximizers want to find kind of like the best thing long-term. And so they agonize, should I use Squarespace or should I use WordPress? And they'll agonize it for like three months. And I did that myself. I'm like, I don't know what platform to use. So that really held me back until I started to hear about different things like maximizer sacrifice satisfied. And I'm like, all right, Sarah, you need to cut to the chase and start making some decisions and start having movements. And so I think it took me longer to put out the course than it should have. Mm. Thank you for sharing that as well. And I appreciate that I've realized I'm a bit of a unique beast over the years and that I take (laughs) massive action. But I think it's almost an inbuilt habit with me now. Like it's not always been there, but I kind of give myself no option not to. And that's just how I work. Like if I have the idea, I want to do it because otherwise, quite frankly, I don't think I would. So isn't that Mm. interesting? We work in different ways, but also it probably comes with lots of certainty and understanding over years of what is going to work and what I want to try versus having complete unknowns where I imagine it would be scarier yeah. because you don't have any backup data. You don't have experience behind you and you don't have a sort of a sense of how it'll go. But I yeah. really, what your point is there about that sacrificer is, you know, it always baffles me when people are like, yeah, I've had this book in my mind for five years. I'm like, wow, that's five years that people have been missing out on this gift from you or for you to be able to teach us and share this. And kind of what are you waiting for? And I'm very driven by, I walk down the road tomorrow and I got hit by a random car or maybe a taken out by a horse or a bull charging down the road, which did actually happen the other day. This is where I live. Oh my um, gosh. Wouldn't that be? I feel like we should sh- go into that. <laughs> That's a pretty amazing <laughs> moment. I'll, I'll recount it soon, but like, wouldn't it be just such a bummer if I hadn't got my next book out, for example, and I didn't get to leave that idea with somebody that could percolate on it and then take it even further. Right. So I'm very much a, what if, tomorrow wasn't here and not in a doomsday way but really like what's putting me off doing it today that if tomorrow didn't arrive I would be kind of regretful about and I I, don't like having regrets I love that and I'm like that in certain parts of my life like travel move to another country like I've done move to another country by myself like in a few days make the decision go like for certain things for like life and travel I can do those types of things. And I guess I have done a lot of work on myself and this year figuring out why I do the things <laughs> that I do. Because I was like, why when I worked for companies, I was like a rock star employee, but then starting my own business, things are slower and I'm taking too long to make decisions. I'm kind of spinning my wheels. Mm-hmm. And so I think part of it was like those two personality things that I mentioned before, but yeah. also I've started to get into the Enneagram recently. Mm. Are you into that? I don't know enough about it, but I have friends who are mega into it and coaches in it and have tried to tell me what I am. So I'm, I'm also more than happy to go down that route to share more. But I really love that you are diving into more about understanding you because actually maybe you've hit the nail on the head. I've done so much of that over the years, any frameworks or tools or profiles or psychometric testing that I can get my hand on. I love to find out the results and then not take that on as my new identity, but take the goodness from it and go, cool, that helps me understand why I act this way or behave that way or why I show up in this way and how that might affect other people. 
because the more we know ourselves, the more we're able to understand in many ways others and how we impact others. And that's the huge result of like the work that I do is how do I impact others for good? But yeah, talk me through the Enneagram and what you've learned from that for those people who are listening who are into it. So it's a huge thing now, isn't it? Yeah, well, it's still really new to me. So I'm not at the point to be giving expert advice right now. Although I like love it so much that I want to become an Enneagram coach Mm -hmm. now. But there's a book called The Road Back to You, which I think is a great place to start. It's what I'm reading now. So I'm a nine and we are like the peacekeepers and the diplomats. And we're very like calm and laid back, uh, but we do procrastinate as well. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And we're always seeking balance. And so I was like, oh, that's like one of the reasons why I can't like move forward is because I'm always, I'm just weighing too many options and like, oh, I can see that point. Oh, I can see that point. Where sometimes you have to be like, no, do this, right answer, go, you know? Mm-hmm. And so having that knowledge, I can see when I start to fall back into not making decisions. I'm like, no, you're being too much like this. And so just having that awareness has really helped me move forward. And I would say, mm-hmm. you know, in the last quarter, things have been great. That's awesome. Also coming back to what you said before, and just for those people listening, I mean, running a business is really hard because you are the sole provider until you build a team. And even when you have a team, you're still the person with the vision, the direction and the strategy and making things happen. Even if you've got capable people on your team to help you with that, it all comes down to like, how do you want to show up? What's your vision for it? And who are you trying to help and how are you making an impact? And there are days when you just do that amazingly well and there's other days where you just feel like you know chilling out on a couch and reading a book and eating some chips you know like just not showing <laughs> up which is not yeah. similar I'm sure to sometimes employees and jobs like some days they're really on it and other days they're like eh so I wouldn't you yeah. know like yes call yourself when you're procrastinating but also know that the stuff that we're trying to bite off and do isn't always that straightforward it may seem like oh I just need to get this opt-in finished but there's a whole lot of thought that goes in behind that like who is this going to serve is it going to be valuable enough how do I want it to look? And you can get caught up in all the details rather than just putting out a word doc, which I've done in the past. But there are all those decisions that come down ultimately to you and they're not directed by anybody else and there's no corporate agenda behind it and there's no, this is how we've always done it. It's often that we are creating, even if we have a brand philosophy and overview and all those things, you're still sometimes creating from scratch. And that is a, an amazing place to be able to come from, but also not one that just can flow like it it takes effort so I just want to acknowledge that that all entrepreneurs like we're doing a courageous thing we're doing a really courageous thing here we need to acknowledge that so thank you you're welcome so for those people who are listening and they're like all right I've been sitting on this idea of a podcast for way too long Sarah Natalie what is your number one tip to start and not only start but grow a podcast so you're starting from scratch where do you tell people to just get going Okay. Well, I'll give you a lot of tips, but I would say like the number one thing that I tell my podcast students is that you can't wish yourself brave like I was trying to do way back when, because then 10 years are going to go by and you're still going to be like, oh, I should have started that podcast 10 years ago. So just get started and the courage is going to come to you. And in fact, I think podcasting has transformed my life more than anything else when it comes to self-confidence. Like I can do things now that I never would have dreamed of before I started my podcast. I just feel like a much braver person and more comfortable taking different risks that I wasn't comfortable doing before. So I would say that for sure. That's like my number one tip is 
courage isn't just going to come to you. You have to take brave action and then courage is going to catch up to it. And then I would love to just talk through some common mistakes that I see podcasters make when they're just starting out. And I would say that every podcast needs to pass the 4S test. So every podcast needs to be specific, searchable, sound good, and be seductive. So specific, we need to know exactly who our podcast is for. So why are we doing this podcast and who is our ideal listener? And I think that is kind of like common knowledge in business and podcasting that the riches are in the niches, but it's not, it's not common practice. People start to think like, oh, I think maybe I could go down this niche. But then when it comes to the podcast, like actually starting their podcast, people freak out and they're like, no, actually, I want this to appeal to everyone. And so they sort of become untethered and just start creating a more watered down show than what would be more successful, searchable. So is your show title searchable? Are your episode titles searchable? Is your author tag searchable? So search is changing in the podcasting space, but right now in Apple Podcasts, the only thing that people can look up is your show title, episode titles, and your author tags. So at the very least, I would say that your episode titles need to be descriptive. It should be what people are searching for. And also like your supported blog posts, make sure that you are using keywords that can help people discover you because that's what we all want, right? To have more people discover our shows. And then sound good. So some people think you need to spend a ton of money on editing and like 10 hours per show and other people do not edit at all. And I think there's a happy medium. You don't need to edit out every um and ah. You don't want to sound like a robot on your podcast, but you definitely need to have some basic editing at the very least like top and tail and take out any mistakes and then just sort of dead noise. Like sometimes podcasts can just really drag and you really want your show to have energy and to flow. And then seductive. So create content that your ideal listener actually wants and is looking for. So do some research, tell the story, uh, write down the story of who your ideal listener is, give them a name, give them a background, go beyond demographics, like actually tell the story. What's their Enneagram? (laughs) Get into that. Like go that, (laughs) go that deep. And then start researching, you know, find what Facebook groups are they hanging out in, just like running a business. It's, I think there's so many alignments and just parallels with business. Like a successful podcast is going to be run like a successful business. You want to know who your ideal customer, ideal listener is. It's like that close. Yeah, I really love that because everything you're saying resonates. I mean, in my Launch Your Damn Course Accelerator, the very first thing I pretty much get people to do after figuring out their sweet spot is, and what they can teach is looking at their ideal customer avatar. And I watched a great video recently with John Lee Dumas, who I'm sure you know, Entrepreneur on Fire, one of the longest running podcasts, but also a daily podcast, which is nuts. And he knows his avatar so well. Avatar's name is Jimmy. And the video was of him explaining who Jimmy is, when Jimmy listens to his podcast, what's going through Jimmy's head, what his challenges are, what he really wants out of life. I mean, it was awesome. It's like I could literally visualize Jimmy. And that's who he speaks to every time he gets on the podcast. So if he's ever wavering off that, he's like, wait a minute, would Jimmy listen to this? Is this actually going to help Jimmy get ahead, et cetera? And I was really fascinated because his podcast listener was somebody who was still in the nine to five, was listening on their way to the commute, et cetera. And I naturally thought he'd be aiming at business people. But he was very aware that he wanted to get Jimmy out of that nine to five for whatever reason and into the work that he really loved to do. 
And so he needed to meet him where he was at right now, not where he was heading. So super yeah. important. I'm really glad you brought that up. And it, I can't say enough for doing this for every facet of your business. Like it shouldn't just be an avatar for the podcast, although I think that's fantastic. It should be the avatar for your blog, for your emails. You yep. know, like it can be the same avatar, might be a different person. It's likely it's going to be similar. But as you just said, the more you know that, I'm sure the more you can turn up on your podcast and go, what's your avatar's name, by the way? Well, I have two. I oh. have one for the Postcard Academy, mm-hmm. and then I have one for podcasting step-by-step. So for cool. podcasting step-by-step, it's Michelle. Michelle. Okay, cool. So I'm yeah. sure you know exactly where Michelle is and that she's most likely, I can probably get starting out and she's got some idea of what she wants to be doing. And I don't know where she lives, what demographic, but I, I get a sense already that it must be just so cool knowing every time you're podcasting on there, hey, is this going to be valuable for Michelle? Like what stage is Michelle at now? What has she learned already that I've shared with her? What would she be curious about next? And I'm sure also a lot of the questions that you get from people listening to your show drive a lot of the content that you do. So thank you for that. I love the four S's. That's really neat. If you want exactly. To in there, it's great. But well, powerful. and it's also, it's also amazing how, and I'm sure you experienced this with Launch Your Damn Course. So you have this ideal listener in your mind and you've got the story written out, but then these people show up for real in your course. And it's like, wow, we are so in sync. You are my dream students. <laughs> and then it's yeah. like, oh, it's because I've cultivated this like mm-hmm. way beforehand. And that's another thing that I love about podcasts is it really, I think like nothing else helps to build the no like trust factor, like immediately when you start listening to somebody's show, you get a sense of their vibe, of their energy of, you know, is this the type of person who I would want to listen to and like give an hour of my time to every week. This is like not something to be taken lightly. We are taking up a lot of people's time. And so I just, you know, I'm very humbled by the fact that people would dedicate time every week to listening to my shows. It's a very powerful medium. Yeah, yeah me too. I mean, I, I absolutely love it. Okay, I'm going to do a few little rapid fire questions for you, if you will, just so that I can get your insights on this. And I'm just going to ask this, this is what people ask me to interview or solo podcast? What are your thoughts on that? For me, myself, or for people in general? Yeah, I'm just saying, like, for you yourself, actually. Can I give a long answer? Yeah. (laughs) So I love interviewing. So for me, interviewing for sure. But I think, and my Postcard Academy podcast, I started out as interviewing because that was just the format of the show. But I have to admit that I feel like I didn't have the confidence to do a solo show at that point. That was something that I, again, like the podcasting courage that built up in me over time. Then when I started podcasting step-by-step, I decided I wanted to do a mix. So I think, you know, if you're using podcasting to help promote your business, you have to use some solo episodes because you have to build your authority in that way. So I think you can have a mix as well. So Yeah, I should have said solo interviews or both. And I love that you said both because I agree. Like I love the format of interviewing because for me I'm really curious about people and I love them sharing their story and getting the best out of them but then every so often I just want to riff on my own topics and they're things that are important that I want to teach and share and it's just you know easier to do that it's not easy to do solo episodes when you don't have any idea what you want to talk about which comes back to you don't know who your avatar is you haven't batched it you haven't thought through topics then it becomes really hard because you're sitting at the mic and you're like um, what should I talk about today? So there's lots of ways to avoid that, but that's where I think interviews are a beautiful format. Plus, would you say, back to rapid fire question two, that's coming off my head, 
actually interviewing people is, as you said, it's boosted your confidence, but I just love how it builds relationships with others and gives you sort of an instant community of people and you get, this isn't a question yet, how have you used that to reach out to people that maybe you never would have thought was possible to talk to? Well, as I mentioned before, I am like traveling with people who I've interviewed on my podcast and like my podcast students. So this has been incredible opportunities where I didn't like start out podcasting to like go have new travel friends, but that has just been an incredible bonus. So like this summer I was in Croatia and Albania with somebody I interviewed and I was in Mexico with her the year before. And so I think that's just incredible. And then I've read books before and thought this person is like so interesting. I want to interview them. And so I messaged them and it's like incredible how much access that today still you can get to people who you want to interview. I think my success rate for getting people to come on my show is like 99% pretty much. Uh, Yeah. So if you like know who your ideal listener is and you know the guest can bring value to your show, I think chances are they're probably going to say yes. And so I've just had some fascinating conversations and also for my own selfishly like travel plans. Mm -hmm. There's been a few times where I'll be like, "Hmm, I want to go there. Who can I talk to who's like a total expert in that area and interview them that way? Yeah, and 100% actually, I think in some ways a podcast is a selfish tool for you to be able to (laughs) interview the people you really want to talk to and get a lot out of them and learn. You know, everybody benefits the listeners for sure. But for me, I've often gone after people that I'm like, I want to know this thing and they have lots of knowledge in that. Let's go interview them. To Again, just a quick question for you personally, sponsors or advertise your own stuff or... Yeah. So I guess I think you should always have a call to action in a podcast. Otherwise, people are kind of waiting at the end, like, oh, what do I do next? But would you say you'd go with the sponsors for people who are considering a podcast or actually use it to advertise and promote your own services and offers? I'm using it to promote my own services and offers. But if you don't have any, I think you should always try to find your own sponsor. I think traditional sponsorship is just a complete... uh, rip off for the independent podcaster you really don't make any money they and typically you need to have like minimum 5000 downloads per episode and that's not that common you can make a lot more money finding somebody who's a, like a service or a product that's very aligned with your show and then just making your own sponsorship deal so i would definitely go that route but if you're just starting out You could try to get a sponsor beforehand, but I would work on building your email list. So I would create some sort of like killer freebie that they would, uh, you know, just something like a quick win that they're going to want to download and opt in and you can stay in touch that way. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a pretty good point there is, I mean, I've got sponsors before I've launched things before, before they're even launched, I should say. But what I really like is the sponsor is usually not just that interested in the podcast even. It's, as you said, access to your email list. Is it the community that they really want to be in front of who's going to love this thing? Even if you have a really small list and it's the community full of people that you know, for example, maybe let's say first level accountants or first year accountant students, then that's going to be worth their weight in gold to have that much of a targeted list, even if it's small. And same with the podcast. I think I've seen people with a really, really small listenership who are just starting out but it might be that those people are 
enthusiast of blue table tennis tables and this happens to be the company that sells blue table tennis tables. Really ridiculous example, but you get what I mean, right? So they would pay hundreds if not thousands to get in front of that audience versus trying to advertise to people they don't know are into blue table tennis tables. So don't discount it is all I'm trying to say to those listening. And I'm a big fan these days of promoting my own offers and services unless it's tools, technologies or companies I love that help me build the business or help my listeners do the same. So I think it's really good to be clear on your strategy up front and your values around it so that you don't just take kind of anything on. Because some of the money that comes through podcast sponsorships can be pretty damn lucrative as you build it. And there have definitely been times where in the past I've had a few sponsors on and I'm like, "Mm, I don't know if this is fully in alignment with where I'm at right now. And I've often had that conversation with them and either done them less frequently or kind of ended it in a good way or figured out a different way to put the sponsorship out there because I didn't want it on my podcast. So I think it's really important for you to stand up to your values there. Absolutely. Exciting. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And I know we could talk about this for ages more, but just for those people who's starting out, coming back to some of those top mistakes, for somebody who has just not started yet and they maybe they're blaming tools or technology or whatever, what is just one step or one action step that you can give them today to do to move them one step closer to doing it like if you were just going to say hey launch it tomorrow what would you say I wouldn't say launch it tomorrow <laughs> because I think <laughs> it's become quite easy technically to start a podcast but I think if you want a podcast that's going to be successful in the long term you need to have some planning involved and like I think as we talked about before knowing your ideal customer is crucial I think another big mistake that podcasters make is they put they create one episode, they put it out, and then they get themselves on this hamster wheel of, all right, what am I going to do this week? What am I going to do next mm-hmm. week? I think like a really, something that everyone could do is treat your podcast planning like you're writing a book. And so, you know, what is like the core idea? And then break down the chapters, like what are the different themes that you want to talk about on your podcast? And then even dive deeper into that. And those are your like episode ideas. Because I think you can easily brainstorm like a year's worth of content in half an hour if you know who your ideal customer is and what topics would appeal to them. And then equipment side of things, I think a lot of people spend way too much money on podcast equipment. Like you don't need a mixer at all. You just need a microphone that can plug into your computer. So I would say ATR2100 or Samsung Q2U. I'm sure Nelly can put it in the show notes. It just plugs right into your computer and then you just need some software to record and edit. So a lot of people like Audacity, which is free. I like Adobe Edition because it's just sleeker and easier to use from my point of view and a podcast media host. And that's it. Yeah. Easy. Done. Just like that at 11, 11 a.m. <laughs> for me. Angel numbers must be lucky. Thank you so much for this. And I think I really loved your point there. And for those people who are sitting there thinking what Sarah can put together you know, a year's worth of content in half an hour. Well, if you think about it, if you're doing a weekly show, that's 52 ideas, which might sound nuts, but anybody could brainstorm out. If you really know your ideal avatar and listener, 52 ideas for sure. And often those are a spinoff of the same idea said in many, many ways, because we also know that repetition, repetition, repetition is the key to learning. So it doesn't all have to be completely new and amazing and out there. It's often just a different take on the same subject so that they hammer it home and really understand it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love it. And having 52 ideas out there 
in half an hour would be amazing. And then you just go and make those make those happen and batch them. And yeah, it just gives you so much more focus and clarity. So thank you. Where is the best place for people to find out more about you, get in touch, listen into your podcast, and I'll drop them all in the show notes. Well, I would love to give your audience a little freebie. So I have something that my listeners have really loved called Eight Mistakes New Podcasters Make and How to Fix Them. So you can find that at sarahmichatel.com slash Natalie. Oh, yay. Thank you. I always love to give my audience. That's perfect. And are you on Instagram? You probably are with um, all your beautiful postcard pics and traveling around the world. So if people want to come and say hi to you there. You can come say hi to me at Sarah Mikatel. So it's S-A-R-A-H-M-I-K-U-T-E-L. Perfect. All right. We'll pop that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for your time today. And I'm just so thrilled that you love podcasting as much as me and that you've got two going on with completely different audiences. And I'm sure that's just teaching you even more and allowing you to turn up even more for your students who are like right at the beginning stages. So for those listening, if you've been inspired to start a podcast, go see Sarah and not just see her, but like on her resources and listen in to the podcast episodes and get started come listen in well this has been really great thank you so much for having me you're so welcome okay so so much goodness so much honesty so much naturalness i just loved sarah's story her journey and her great tips on when you want to start and launch a podcast so shout out to me on instagram at natalie sisson if you enjoyed this episode also shout out to sarah at postcard academy i think she dropped her instagram in at the end of this interview so go search for her say hey i really enjoyed you on the untapped podcast learned lots maybe gonna take your course who knows and once again all the details for sarah and her course and goodness and tips and show notes are across at nataliesisson.com forward slash podcast. This is episode 57, so you can just hit the search bar there and see it, but you should see it right at the top if you stay up to date. And I'd actually really appreciate if you do go visit the website because I do put a lot of effort into those show notes and uh, it's just a really great way to keep on top of your favorite episodes. And the best thing you can do, aside from writing me a beautiful review, is to share this with a friend who you think might want to start their podcast too so that they can go off confidently and think about when the heck they're going to do it, not why, because they're going to have all of that sorted in their mind and they're just going to be so excited to start. The world needs more great podcasts. It certainly needs more great podcasts from women. So step up, ladies. 